Hello and welcome to another episode of Café con Carlos. In today's podcast, I have a very special guest. It is my honor to sit down and chat with our next chief executive officer, my friend, Dr. Tali Elliott. He's led such an interesting life and the journey that led him to Mary Center and ultimately to be our chief executive officer is such a fascinating one. So I'm excited to bring this episode to you all uh, as a way to really get to know him. So let's pour a cup of coffee and have a chat with Dr. Elliot. Good morning, Dr. Elliot. Or tall. Good morning, sir. <laughs> um, so I start every podcast, just so you know, with um, since the title of the podcast is Ca- Café con Carlos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how do you take your coffee? I, um, it depends on the mood. If I'm trying to really get well caffeinated early on and I have no cream, I'll just take it black, which I'm not a really big fan of. And if I do, it depends on the coffee. Well, I only see you with a venti in hand. So what's in that? That is usually a, it's a blonde roast with two shots of espresso. And since I don't use, um, I, I avoid sugar, refined sugar, I use honey. And it's usually okay. in those, depending on the size, determines the number of packets of honey. And either I'm using an oat milk or I'm using, you know, some sort of, um, I try to stay away from the dairy products. Not that it's bad, but that's just for pre- me personally. This is a very complicated coffee order. I'm sure the baristas love you. <laughs> Uh, they do. They're used to it. I will say that the you know people know me when I walk into the into the Starbucks. That's pretty much an obvious order. You know, it's not like it's not some upside down ristretto doppio con panna with blah 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 that other people <laughs> like to do. No. But so okay. So if I if I understood you correctly, it is a venti blonde roast with two shots of espresso. And oat milk? Is that what it is? And honey. That, and honey. And honey. All right. Congratulations uh, on the new job. Thank you. Um, I'll, leave, I'll leave the vision questions for everybody else. And really, I, this is more just to like, get to know you better. So, um, Which, by the way, I knew you and I were going to be good friends when we first met. Do you remember when we first met? Um, it's probably during your orientation, maybe. Yeah, we were, I had already been hired. Um, yep. cause you came on about three months before I did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2015. And, yep. um, during my interview process, you weren't around. I had, I, um, interviewed with Christian and in, in your, on your behalf and, um, Christian Cornejo for those that are wondering who that is. Um, and then after I got hired, we went to grab lunch with at the time, the director of development at, um, yeah. what's that place called in Adams Morgan? L'Oreal Plaza. That's what it is. L'Oreal Plaza. Yep. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we had a good lunch and uh, we chatted it up and I had already gotten the job, so I didn't feel bad about being myself for it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it all worked out. Um, so, all right. I have to start with, you have a very interesting name, Tali. So what yes. is the origin yep. of your of your name, Tali? And what does the B stand for? Tali B. Elliot. Um, Tali is... Uh... <clears throat> is a family name that I was given to, um, obviously from my dad's side. 
And it was um, his favorite uncle was Tali Emmanuel Elliot. Ooh, and he died six months. He, he died six months before I was born. Mm. And so that was an homage to his uncle, his favorite uncle. And do you know um, the origins of the name Tali? Because that's a pretty unique name. He received his name from Tali Julius Elliot, which was his uncle. Okay. And um, Tali Julius Elliot did not have any biological children, and so his his brother, my great grandfather George gave one of his sons, Tali Elliot, the name. And Tali Emmanuel Elliot, he too did not have any biological children. Mm. And so I kind of broke the mold having five of my own. Yeah. Um, so Tali, Tali Julius Elliot, um, I don't know of any family history of his name preceding that. Um, but he is an interesting story where he owned the largest Black-owned apartment store in like the late 1910s, 19, early 1920s. In DC? Um, one of, in, no, in Oklahoma, oh. in Muskogee, in Muskogee and Tulsa. One of, his, one of his stores was actually bombed. The story out in Tulsa was part of um, the racial violence that occurred mm-hmm. during, uh, some people call it the massacre. Some yeah. people call it a riot. Yeah. Um, people, if I'm correct, people are staying away from the phrase riot because it, it gives the impression as though, you know, black people decided to riot when really right. it was, um, they were attacked, massive, weren't they? it was a massive aggression of, uh, racists yes. against the, the black owned business, black community. Right? Yeah. Right. Black owned businesses. And schools, so your great uncle's shop was part of that was, um, burned or yeah. destroyed in or? Greenwood, Greenwood section of Tulsa. Wow. And so Tali Elliott, um, Tali Julius Elliott, um, you know, that, that's, that's the history from Tali Julius to Tali Emmanuel and then to Tali Burke. Burke? And Burke, B-U-R-K-E. Oh, And the name, the name Burke is actually the last name of a gentleman who um, befriended my father as he was moving up to DC with his three young girls, because I have three older sisters. You're an OB, you're an OBGYN, um, but you're a surgeon. Are they the same? Can you be both? Like, how does that work? Are all are all OBs surgeons? Or are you a surgeon that's also an OB? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, to be an obstetrics and gynecology residency is very formatted where um, it's four years. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 months is, is towards um, obstetrics and then 18 months is towards gynecology and gynecology can be in all different you know segments. Mm-hmm. You do surgery during parts and aspects of obstetrics and you do surgery during parts and aspects of gynecology. Mm-hmm. You do rotations through reproductive endocrinology, which is infertility. You do rotations through GYN oncology, cancer, right, right. Um, urogynecology, pelvic floor. So there's a, there's a lot of surgical uh, training that you get as an OBGYN resident. And so, Many people, um, at least if they're like me, um, they finish and they go on and become a general OBGYN. And right. some, you know, have a, a tendency to lean into what really feels comfortable for them or what makes them just feel better as a work-life balance. And so some people choose to do heavy OB, very light GYN, not much GYN surgery. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, I, I've always just loved surgery. And right. so I, I didn't really, my time was split. And it's not like you say, this is surgery time, this is OB time. It was just like, I took whatever came through that door 
and even uh, referrals from colleagues who said, hey, look, this looks like a, a complicated you know, hysterectomy or complicated myomectomy where you remove fibroids, do you mind taking this patient or do you mind doing the case with me? And I would say absolutely. Um, and so all anybody that finishes and completes an OBGYN training residency is definitely a GYN surgeon. Um, and they're trained in aspects of surgery. Um, but if you wanted to go through surgery residency, which is like five years, and then go back to OBGYN, be my guest. Don't know anybody who's done that. <laughs> but... <laughs> But that's yeah. um, so all OBs, there's, there's, all, yeah. all, all OBs are, and I, I know I'm, I'm truncating it, but all OBGYNs yeah. are trained in surgery. Some just do it more than others, like in your case. They're trained in gynecologic surgery. Got it. Okay. Got it. Um, so you went to, you did your medical school at Howard, right? I did. Um, I have to ask this because I'm sure everybody's going to want to know. Do you know the vice president? Um, <laughs> I know. You mean the, the president, Dr. Frederick? No, the vice president of the United States. Oh, oh no, no. Okay. Kamala. Yeah, my, <laughs> she went to Howard, right? I was thinking of Howard. Yeah, she, she went to Howard. And um, I've never met her directly, um, but my, my cousin um, was her line sister. Uh, so they pledged together. Um, when they crossed over in the sorority. Awesome. Yeah. It's called Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated. I've been told I need to make sure I state it completely. The incorporated <laughs> part is very important. Um, uh, were you in a fraternity? No, I was not. I actually okay. um, did a lot of work through school. I actually sat out of school for a little bit because I didn't have money. And so I had to uh, get back in. Oh, we're, we'll get to that because your bio I was reading for the for the CEO release. You wanted to make sure people knew you were a server at one point, a waiter. Um, but so back to the Howard thing, You're, you still have pretty close ties to Howard or? I, oh, yeah. Yeah, we joke, we joke around. I, I definitely bleed blue. I love them. I love Howard. Bison. Go Bison. Um, yep. So follow me on this. So I'm a huge Indianapolis Colts fan. Uh, Edron James is a Hall of Fame running back that played for the Indianapolis yep. Colts. I believe his daughter uh, is in medical school at Howard. My question mm -hmm. is, can you introduce me to Edwin James? That's what I'm asking. Well, if I'm correct, his son just committed to as a running back for the football team. Next no year. kidding. For, for yeah. uh, Howard? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so yeah. basically at some point you're going to introduce me to Edwin James is what you're saying. Uh, hopefully we can Hopefully we can make it happen. I don't <laughs> know him personally, but I'd be just as geeked to see him as you would. But a lot, lot so, of famous, um, a lot of famous people went to Howard, huh? Um, what's yeah, his, yeah. Uh, the actor who just passed away from Black, uh, um, yeah, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah didn't he go to Howard? Just, yeah. yeah, he did. It was a colon cancer. It was really unfortunate. Yeah, but the, really you know, I went to Howard during a very interesting time. There were a lot of protests going on. I think anybody who goes to Howard at any time is an interesting period in history. But yeah, they're, there they're going through some like, stuff right now, actually. Yeah, and you know, uh, like they always do, they'll get they'll get past it. Yeah, you know, they yeah. need to be attentive to to the students and and the staff and and address things appropriately. Um, but you know, like Sean Puffy Combs was he there went there at Howard. Yeah, yeah, he was he was there when I was there, and and you had um, many many other people who uh, were doing things like you know Kasim Reed, who used to be the former mayor of Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there is Roz Baraka. I think he's the mayor of of uh, Orange City, New Jersey. Um, there's just a lot of people out there, both in many, many different uh, sectors of the field in terms of medicine, law, you know, politics, uh, public policy, uh, doing Celebrities. entertainment. Yeah. 
Yeah, but at the time, we were all just, it was like this incredibly wonderful space where you just had a lot of young energy. Yeah. And nobody had, nobody came in there pretentious saying that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We were all just feeding off of each other's energy and it just kind of kept going. And so when you have a, a, a school like that, an alumni like that, and support in a network like that, it's really nice to, you know, spread your wings and go out into the world and then engage with other people, not just your alumni, but just in right. general. Right. Well, I'm excited for all the famous people you're going to bring to Mary Center. So um, <laughs> was it important for you to go to, to an HBCU? Or did you, you know, just, I, or did you just want to just stay in DC? I, um, you know, my parents had gone through a divorce. And, and so my mom had worked, you know, at times she was working like up to three jobs. She's a physical therapist. And, you know, with five kids, mm-hmm. hard, hard thing to do. And I didn't have anybody in my high school that um, nobody in the guidance office that was talking about, hey, have you considered an HBCU? That was never even mentioned. Um, I was completely oblivious to it until my sister, Mary, had um, gone to it. And I remember going with her and my dad and and some other people in the family, my mom, to move her into the dorm. And I was like, wait a second, what's this? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know you're walking from a space where you're a minority into a space where you're a majority. Right. And to be around that many people that look like you is yeah. pretty mind blowing. Yeah. And then it, it cemented itself when you go to that new student orientation Yeah. and you're not, you're, you're there based on merit. You don't feel like you're there based on anything else other than I earned this space. Right. And you know, you have other kids there with you. So it, it's, it, I applied to, there were two schools. At the time, Georgetown was doing great in basketball. So of course, hey. Oh yeah. Patrick Ewing days. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't a bad student. And so um, Georgetown said they needed an essay. And Howard <laughs> said they needed an application. And I said, I'm applying to Howard. <laughs> so, well, it was the best, one of the best decisions I've ever made. No, it sounds like it. Obviously, it worked out, and and so your sister went there. Uh, you're one of your older sisters. So are you? Are yes. you, you're one of five then. I am number four out of five. Yes. Oh, you're the. Are you the the youngest boy? I am or do the you have a younger son. Okay. I have, okay. I have a younger. You have younger brother. brother. Okay. Cool. And they're are they all still here in the D.C. area? Or are they all over the country? New York, two others in D.C. and one in Richmond. Okay, so all East Coast. That's good. Because uh, I know yeah. I, I'm asking because I know you you often say um, that family is extremely important and everything to you. Uh, so I Very assume much. you're you're pr- you talk about your sister a lot. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the same one every time, but you always mention a sister. Um, and then you all, of course, have five kids. So you you've got yes. a big family. Yeah, it is. Well, my grandfather was um, just one of twelve children in his family. So yikes. Um, it's my mother and father each had uh, a sibling each, and then um, and then I came along and broke said, the okay, trend. Hold, <laughs> yeah, hold hold my beer. And I ended up having five kids too. Um, and your siblings have a lot of kids too. So I mean, family reunions and everything must be large. I uh, you know my uh, two of my sisters do not have children. Okay. And then um, the sister has two sons, and then my brother has 
two kids as well. So you've got everybody beat. You've got everybody beat. Yeah, I do. do. And is it your youngest that just went off to college? No, that's my middle. Um, My my son, Dakota, he was a freshman at Tennessee State Mm -hmm. in a BSMD program where it's a combined program where they go straight. They do undergrad in three years and then go into med school. So he wants and to be a doctor as well? Program. Yeah, I, and I, have not, I did not discourage my kid in any way, shape, or form from going into medicine. But at the same time, I also didn't apply any sort of heavy hand saying this is what you need to do. It was very wonderful to see them make these choices on their own. So, well, why did you decide to go into medicine? Um, I started off as an engineering student. And school and science was just, it just seemed normal. And so um, I played a lot of soccer and I, my team was a traveling team was going to go to England mm-hmm. when I was about 16, the summer going into my senior year of high school. And my father said, if you want to go, you need to go to this engineering summer Institute, which was down at Southern university in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I begrudgingly said yes, because I really wanted to go to England. Right. And, um, it was, it was great. And so I ended up coming back. And when I applied to Howard, I started off as I wanted to be a mechanical engineer because I wanted to create things. Right. And um, somehow the other the paperwork got mixed up and I started off as civil engineering, but that first pretty much the same. And yeah. then you kind of break out and you get farther in. And so it was during that time when I got to, um, I tested into calculus and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> this, isn't, this is not, I didn't want to start off college in calculus. and. Um, struggled through that and then they say and now it's time for differential equations and i was like and yeah, no it's not for me and so so math broke you from, math broke you well <laughs> i didn't i didn't love it that much and yeah. so i switched from um from uh civil engineering into um zoology and what? many of my friends yeah many of my friends are like are you crazy that's even worse i was like no it's not this is great you know and so to me it was just science you know not like like sort of like you know, uh, breaking bad like science you right know, it was yeah. just like this to me was just it just it was just cool i mean looking science at of animals. The, the structure thing yes animals atoms structures it wasn't easy but it was just interesting and so even when it's hard um, as long as it was interesting, it, you felt like you had a purpose for why you were doing it. Okay, so engineering, zoology, how did you get to, <laughs> to be a doctor? Yeah, and so I, I sat out of school because I um, didn't have the money. I sat out of school for like eight months. That was the scariest eight months of my life. Yeah, just working, I, saving money. Yeah, and so um, I just, there was something there as a, as a kid at 19 years old, 20 years old, like, you know, my life does not just stop here. Right. And so throughout my entirety of undergrad, I worked as a waiter. Mm-hmm. And, you any, know, any restaurants we would know in DC? Um, well, the Uno's that's at Union Station. Oh, yeah, I opened yeah. that. I opened that restaurant. I was on the team that opened the restaurant there. It's funny to think how long ago. <laughs> you ever go back in there and say, I started this place. Yeah, they, yeah, right. They'd be like, get the hell out of it. And then, so I, um, there was, but I've worked at, you know, Italian restaurants, French restaurants, um, soul food restaurants, pizza restaurant, <laughs> banquet waiter at the Omni Shoreham Hotel. Oh, that's um, a nice hotel. So you took off eight months to, to save money for school or were you just trying to figure things out or? No, no, I, 
I couldn't enroll because I didn't have the money to pay for tuition. Okay. So I had to get the money to pay. And so, so you, time yeah. off, the time off was forced off because I just couldn't pay. I didn't afford, I couldn't afford tuition. So did you go back? So you saved the money, you went back. Mm-hmm. Then were you studying pre-med stuff or still zoology? <laughs> I went back and I finished up the degree in zoology and I think a minor in chemistry. Wait a minute. So and you then, have a degree, uh, you have a bachelor's in zoology. You have an undergrad yes. in zoology. Mm-hmm. And a minor in chemistry. Yep. How? Okay. How did you and become so a doctor? I, the, the, what came from that was that I, I still wanted to do this med school thing. I wanted to go to med school, but I knew I wasn't ready. And so I figured I was going to take a break and be a teacher. Okay. And so, you know, I was looking at DC public schools, and then I forgot who told me. I was like, well, have you considered Prince George's County? And I was like, why not? And so I met with a gentleman. Um, I'm not sure if he's still alive. His name is Ed Hose, H-O-E-S. Um, incredibly engaging personality. Um, and I literally went into uh, there with certain expectations of a school that was predominantly minority with not the most stellar reputations, but really needed a science teacher. And um, they put me there. and. It, it was great. I taught chemistry, earth science, and biology. You were Walter White, is what you're telling me. I, yeah, right. I, there was a chemical closet in the back in between the two rooms, which is kind of hilarious. Now that I think about it, it's like it's insane how those chemicals are there nowadays. You probably have a hazard seat to go in that space. Yeah. But, um, so but you're a I, chemistry teacher high school? chemistry teacher, biology and earth science. And um, I coached the soccer team for a few years and I was the JV baseball coach, assistant baseball coach. What and then I also, Potomac High School in Temple Hills. And they're still, it's still there? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then I, um, I was the, um, I, um, I think for two years of the three years, I was the, I ran the at-risk male youth program called Brothers United. And it was really focusing on young men, it wasn't limited to just black men, but young men who wanted to engage in ways that were just more positive. And, you know, initially, you know, the only time to really get them was to say, okay, we're going to meet during school at this time. So, of course, what kid would not want to miss class for to go class, to things like yeah. that? Yeah. So there was, a, there was a big disagreement between myself and the other gentleman who was running it. And I was like, we need to stop talking at the kids, but stop talking with the children and with the kids and you know and ultimately he's like well you know what because you think you know what you do you take it that was the last thing i wanted him to say and i was just <laughs> like sure fine and um and then i moved it to after school and surprisingly they started to they they started to come they came and um we adopted a road you know we we ended up uh putting on the little orange vests and and cleaning up the road because back then nobody would think well why would you want to get out there as a kid and do this. And this is long before these these public service hours that you're supposed to do. But it's yeah. just wonderful experience with a bunch of young men who um, had a lot of value in them, but they just needed a space to talk and share their feelings. Like uh, it's like the teen program at Mary Center. It is, but I, I just never really, you know, you just like this is you. you it, it just felt like it was the right thing to do. I can't, it's hard for me to describe it, but it was just like. Why would you not want to do this? Well, 
since I've known you, I've always like one thing that that always comes across in any conversation we have is you have this you have this overwhelming sense of service to your community, to your to your friends, to uh, your colleagues. So I think that what you're describing, it sounds like it was clear from an from an early stage. There are so many worse things that are going on in so many other people's lives that I'm very fortunate. And as a result, it, it, it's, you know, um, that opportunity was a great opportunity. And, you know, but things change, you know, as a parent, things change. And my focus went towards my children. You right. know? And right. so now my focus is right now to get them where they need to be. And if I can help their friends or others along the way, then that's, that's the process. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, life is a journey. So that journey you taught for how many years before you went back to med school? Three years. Three okay. years. So, and then, and then you were, uh, you were just kind of biding your time, saving money and then went back to med school. Wish it was that simple, but no, I, um, I, uh, one of my best friends, his father's an OBGYN and, you know, okay. I guess for a while he, he likes to stay anonymous, but, um, he and I were talking and, um, he told me to give his dad a call. I had applied to med school the first time, didn't get in because I think it was just a haphazard attempt. Mm. And then um, he uh, said to give his father a call, and I called him. And he was like, So you want to go back to school? I was like, Yeah. And this is after not getting in the second time. And he's like, If you want to go back to school bad enough, I'll pay for you to go back to school. And he said, you know, let's set something up so you can do something at Fisk, which is a historically black college in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And um, he, I'm going to try not to get too emotional because my dad was a blubbering fool with things. But he, he said, uh, I was like, well, what is it? What do I need to do? Do I need to sign anything? He's like, no, we can shake hands and make you feel any better. The only thing I ask is that you return the favor later on in life when you can do this for someone else. The benefit and the beauty in this is that, you know, we're not related. Right. And so I, that conversation was on Wednesday. I had already quit teaching. Mm -hmm. I started working at um, Houston's before it closed down in yeah. Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. In Bethesda, actually. And um, I think I might have been there three weeks and then had that conversation. And then... Um, the conversation was Wednesday by Saturday and my truck was a Jeep Wrangler was packed with whatever possessions I had. And I drove down to Nashville and That's I enrolled cool. at Fisk in a self-made post-baccalaureate program and, and he paid the tuition. It was my job to, you know, just get the grades. Right. And I, you know, at the time I still felt as though now I, I've got to have a job. So I was working at the Houston's in Nashville as well. <laughs> And um, which, ironically enough, is where Houston started in Nashville. And so that's ironic. Um, I, you know, after a while, I ended up. Uh, I really wanted to focus more on the schoolwork. The grades were fine, um, and he was fine with that. And so, um, did what I had to do that year, applied, and was put on the alternate list. I was on the alternate list the second year. Mm -hmm. I applied. And then I got put on the alternate list the third time I applied. And um, I had done, you know, I thought very well in the classes I needed to take in the self-made post-baccalaureate program. And I ended up um, calling around uh, to certain people 
and uh, another good friend whose father is a big time golfer. He's, he's since passed away and uh, he was a dentist. And I said, you know, um, I don't know what more I can do. I mean, I've, I've come down here. I've, I've done everything I could. I mean, is there anybody that, you know, on the admissions committee that could look at me as a candidate that would say, Hey, look, let's just take this guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, let me make a call. And he, you know, that, that discussion was on a Wednesday, Thursday, I had, um, I had signed up for this temp agency and I was working at this job on a Friday and Friday, this is long before the cell phones that we have nowadays, mm-hmm. Friday, my pager goes off <laughs> and it's my sister, one of them. And she says, you know, Howard called and I'm like, okay, well, Howard didn't call just to say you're still on the alternate list. So I called Howard. They said, congratulations, you've been selected and pulled from the alternate list. Uh-huh. And I immediately called my dad and I said, I need you to stop what you're doing and go over there and pay that deposit. <laughs> and, um, and he did. And so, um, and you drove up went that, that weekend. <laughs> Very close to it. Um, closed out a few things, said goodbyes to many of the people that I had grown to, mm-hmm. you know, care deeply about Nashville and came back to DC. And, uh, it's so cool. The people you meet along the way, and especially those that are not family, but treat you like family and just want to pay it forward. And, I guess, again, goes back to the conversations that we've had over the years where you, it's clear you've got that sense of service and wanting to pay it forward to, to those you come across. Um, but that's, that's quite the journey to, uh, to medical school. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, talk to me about your, so you mentioned you have a son named Dakota, um, mm-hmm. which is a Native American uh yeah tribe and you you have native american in you don't you yeah yeah five children um the first one you know their mother is half puerto rican so the first one her name is latin mm-hmm. and then there's number two he's named after me which is my family's name my father's side probably burke elliott senior um, or junior yeah, junior yeah and then there is um dakota you know the the migration of former slaves mm-hmm. um along the south and over to the west in Oklahoma. Mm. Um, they they lived alongside Native Americans and American Indians and, and they you know they married. They had families together and and lots of other things. And I'm not a historian, my sister could tell you more about that, but the long and short is that, that there were connections there made. And so it's real easy as we have these blended families and cultures and everything else to forget and to not emphasize that these ancestors also have a space literally in our blood right and so um his name the name dakota um if i'm correct is um it's a male name a lot of times people think it's a woman's name Mm -hmm. but it means friend oh and um in the sioux tribe and um and again you know if i'm wrong somebody's free can freely correct me on it but from what i when i did research before it was friend and then um our next child um, her name is, she has a combination, part of her mother's name. And then our last one, his middle name is, um, he has a middle name that is a Ghanaian name. And that means morning sun. And so you have Latin, Latin aspect, the African-American aspect, the, you know, the, um, the history American. of Native Americans, the, um, 
familial aspect and then the um, African aspect in all five of the kids. Um, what percentage do you know? What percentage Native American you are? I don't. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting because I've done I have cousins that that have a better better research than I do, but mm-hmm. um, and they have they have it from both sides, both parent sides, but. Um, as do I. I just don't know the level of it. it, it unfortunate, yeah. And the an unfortunate part is that the U.S. Census didn't really right. collect much detailed information on African Americans and, right. and, and Native Americans or American Indians um, um, prior to a certain date. You mentioned your sister. Is this the one that um, was pretty heavily involved in the opening of the Museum of African American History? Yeah, she is a curator there. She still is? African American History and Culture. Yeah, she yeah, still is. That's awesome. What, um, so a lot of us know you through work and, and how passionate you are about, um, the patients and the community, especially as a doctor, you know, you have a special connection with those that you serve and help, but what do you do outside of work? What are your hobbies outside of work? Do you still play soccer? Are you in any rec leagues? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, 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 I'd probably would tear an Achilles tendon if I tried that. Not that I don't want to, and not that my brain doesn't think I could get out there and do it, but, um, no, I, I would say that I work is work as a physician can be something that can be really time consuming. And I don't say that to be a negative thing. What I'm saying is that you can enjoy it so much and it can become such a wonderful part of who you are that it's easy to lose sight of the balance that you should have with your family. And so for many, many years, I've worked ridiculous hours. Mm-hmm. And um, as the kids became older and started getting in activities, I, I made that a priority too. And so I, I think that my time really is spent focusing on the kids. Um, certainly now that they're older, you know, some are adults and others are teens and they naturally, when, you know, the teenagers forget your parent. They're like, whatever. I'm like plug into my device or whatever. Yeah. But um, I would say the things that, that the biggest thing for me is either music or reading or just being with my family. Yeah. You talk about how much uh, time is spent as a physician, you know, when you're a doctor or, or treating patients, a lot of people don't realize. I remember when I started at Mary Center for like the first two years, you would leave your job at Mary Center and then be on call for surgery, work all night, yeah. and then come back to work the next day. Yeah, uh, those meetings are always interesting because I was very punchy the next morning because sometimes I might not. That's when I saw you. That's when I saw you yeah. with the venti blondes, double espresso exactly. shots. That um, explains that. Um, but that's, I mean, obviously that wasn't sustainable. So I'm glad you didn't, you're not doing that anymore. Um, because yeah, I mean, I know you're, you love what you do, but that's not, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. At all. Um, it's not, I mean, and I was taking call in the hospital covering labor and delivery and, and covering the floors and the ER stuff. like That at the old Provident, right? Providence hospital. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What are you most excited about for, your role as CEO? Um, it is with huge, tremendous humility, um, number one, that I get an opportunity to be, to be a part of the team and serve in this role to continue all these wonderful things that started as a seed with Maria. Um, I am excited about doing what I've been doing for the past several years with you know, the people that I work with in terms of cultivating ideas and, and saying how, as we engage with the patients and participants, as they come up with new strategies and new ideas or things like that to cultivate it and help it grow. I mean, I think that's part of what's 
done so well for the medical service line and our clinical quality started to show. Um, it started to change people viewed work. Uh, it, it no longer felt like it's a product productivity based how many encounters, but it became more so of what are we doing that makes sense? And so, you know, we didn't have addiction services. We didn't have, you know, LGBTQ health designated leads. We didn't have, you know, a clinical liaison. We didn't have telemedicine. We didn't have mm -hmm. a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. We were just, you know, these all these different things that have grown that are there. And so it's sort of like, you know, working with this team to cultivate all these ideas. And it's not just from a clinical perspective. It's also from the perspective of, you know, looking at the social change model. Right. Where can we do this from a programmatic component on social services and from, you know, uh, things in terms of how we align ourselves with BRIA and, and how does that how does that handshake become strengthened? I really um, I, I shy away from the phrase better because I think that 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 can sound disrespectful to all the work that we've done. Mm -hmm. I, I more so just help cultivate growth and continue growing in that direction. And then uh, what makes that so exciting is to look at other communities that would that would tremendously benefit um, from this model of care that um, I, I think is is pretty impressive. And it's it's not like uh, it's not it's not something you can find in many other places. And so the excited part for me is working with the team. And I know that may sound cliche and it might sound like that's scripted, but it's not. I think that we put together, you know, a lot of incredible staff. And I know that, you know, like anything, work is not always, you know, um, puppy dogs and rainbows and kittens <laughs> and stuff. It's it's work. Yeah. Um, but these are these are committed people that genuinely want the best for the people that come through those doors and each other. And so that that's the part that I look forward to. Yeah, um, we do have a great team, and and uh, uh, as a as a as a friend, I consider I do consider you a friend. I'm really excited for you, and and proud of you, and and I'm sure um, your family is extremely proud of you as well. Um, so we're all just excited for for the next chapter and 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 our continued growth. Uh, um, so I close all the podcasts with ten rapid fire questions. If you're ever if you've ever seen uh, Inside the Actor Studio, um, mm -hmm. similarly, you of course, have... of course, the one Inside the Actor Studio, the one that the best one is usually when Will Ferrell does the skit. Yeah, right. yes, <laughs> yeah. So you know the gist of it. Don't think about it too much. Just you know, answer the question. Yep. Just a quick rapid fire. Right. Um, all right. What's your favorite word? Um, peace. Interesting. All right. See, because you have. A lot of people don't know this. You have quite the vocabulary. So you, you've picked a very simple but powerful word. Very nice. Um, you said music's one of your passions. What was the last concert you attended? Oh, my gosh. It's been a minute because of COVID. Um, I can't remember. I, yeah, I can tell you most, the, the concert that I would like to attend. Okay, um, what's that? The next, time, the next time Pat Metheny comes into town. I have no idea who that is. What? Who is that? Oh my gosh, Pat Metheny is. What kind of music? Uh, it, it, it is. I mean, it's hard to describe. It's like jazz, but it's 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 like its own. I don't want to call it its own several genre, but maybe I don't even want to call it world music. But it is. Uh, Pat Metheny is this incredible. He's this incredible guitarist that um, started off young. That is just. My dad introduced me to that when I was a freshman in college, or maybe a senior in high school, and. Um, he had a CD called Still Life Talking. And as soon as I heard that thing start, I was just like, who's that? I mean, it, it, it's, 
it's it's like somebody's massaging your brain. It's it is he is uh, Pat Metheny is somebody that is incredibly unique, and he does it in a way that is not um, boxed in. He likes to collaborate with a lot of different uh, uh, artists, uh, but he he's he's incredible. I'll uh, I'll check it out on Spotify. Um, which actor would you want to play you in a movie? Oh my god, that's funny. Uh, I guess um, <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say a cartoon character, but you know, I, I it would be kind of funny if there was like a cartoon version of me in the form of Snagglepuss. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh but god. um, I I don't. I just genuinely don't know. Um. No, the the gentleman, and I and I no, I really forget his name because he's he's almost he's a young actor, but he's a young actor. He was the one that was in Lovecraft Country. I think his first name is Jonathan. Um, okay. okay. Uh, whoever that actor is, Jonathan something, <laughs> would play you in a movie. Um, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a hard question because you know you know I like food and I like to cook too. His name is John, Jonathan Ma- Jonathan Majors is the actor, by the way. Um, oh my gosh, that is you know what? This is going to sound so basic for the rest of my life. Yeah, it would have to be the the Chaplin A S S soup ramen at Chaplin Restaurant. And it stands for Asian Spicy Sour. Okay. Um, Interesting. Chaplin Restaurant, Asian Spicy Sour Soup. Yeah. But they call it the Chaplin ASS. All the all caps. But it's Asian Spicy Sour. If I could figure out how to make that broth, then I'd probably would just I could stay in a cave and 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 eat that every day. Okay. Um, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? And I, this is tricky because you've attempted a lot of professions. So, at this stage in life, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you know, if I could get plucked by a virus that rewired my brain, I would love to be a music producer. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, what job would you be terrible at? Um, hairdresser. Since this is a podcast, you know, people can't see me. I am shaved. My head is yeah. shaved. I think we all know what you look like, doll. Yeah. Everybody that Mary Center that's going to listen to this knows what you look like. Yeah. Um, if you could hop on a plane and go anywhere tonight, where would you go? Maldives. Ooh. That's uh, the island in the Indian Ocean, right? Yeah. That to me is the oh. end of the earth. That is just yeah. the most, that's like walking into heaven and just seeing it yeah. in, real, in real life. Um, I've never been, but I've seen pictures. They look gorgeous. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Um, my kids talking. Hmm. Okay. What sound or noise do you hate? My kids arguing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. All right. And where is your happy place? Um, I would say it's on a beach. It's somewhere near water. I mean, I don't have to be on the beach, but if I'm near water, there's something calming about that that space. I don't know how to describe it, but like I know that when I go out to, um, like when I've been to LA or San Francisco, mm-hmm. which 
San Francisco is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. Just the view. Those are things you yeah. have to see with your eyes. But I, anything that's near water. But I'm yeah. sure if I traveled more, which I should, I haven't much. But if I traveled more, I probably would say something about Egypt. I used to want to be an Egyptologist. I forgot to mention that. When I finished high school, I wanted to be an Egyptologist. Well, that's it. That's all I got. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Uh, congrats on the new job. Really Thank excited you. to work uh, work with you. I think you're going to take us to great places, and, and we're here to help, uh, as I know you are as well. Thank you. I'm very humbled by it all, so thanks. What an incredible journey Dr. Elliot has taken to get to where he is today. Honestly, I have so many follow-up questions, but the podcast was already a little bit longer than normal. And I think rightfully so. I think it's important for us to get to know our next chief executive and the man who's going to lead us into the next chapter as an organization. We probably could have talked for hours about his experience and background, but maybe we'll save that for a part two episode in the future. In the meantime, I wish him nothing but the best because his success is our success. And as a little tribute to him, this is the music of Pat Metheny sending us off today. I really want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you'll join us next time. Take good care of each other.